Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Clint, for my intro. Best looking speaker in the of the year, I think. I think nobody amen because they thought you're probably talking about yourself, maybe. So, but I'm so happy to be with you this morning. Um, I'm excited to share with you. If you're watching online, we just want to welcome you in. We're glad you're staying connected. If you're home folk and you're out traveling. Like Clint said, we're praying for you, and we miss you, so hurry home. It's not the same when we're not all here together, amen? So, we're doing a series called Summer Essentials. The things you need to have as you're going through this season. And I know especially if you guys have school-age kids, or maybe you work in the school system, then summer becomes this very defined time in your year, right? And I think even for the rest of us, summer is still something that in our minds we begin to think, okay, this is a time when we're supposed to slow down, maybe we're supposed to plan some vacations to go on, it's time to get outside more, or since we're in South Georgia, not go outside more because it's hot. Um, But it's supposed to be a time where we relax and we get refreshed, right? Anybody in here just feel like you need a break? Am I the only one? I just, I need a break. To be honest, you guys, I don't think it's just been a long year for us. I think it's been a long three years of life. And we've just reached this place where we need a break. We need summer, right? This is where our hope is going to be. I was thinking about all of these summer things, and I realized something. There are things in our life that are not going to slow down because it's summertime, just because that's what season it's supposed to be. You know, as much as you want it to happen, sickness can still pop up in your family. That coworker that pushes your buttons isn't going to stop now. Oh, it's summertime. I'll leave you alone. You know, that strained relationship you may have with somebody in your family, it doesn't just push pause because it's summertime. You know, maybe that addiction that you've been battling, it's not going to take a break just because the calendar says it's now summer. So even more than that, there's a devil out there who is still working and planning and strategizing what he can do to mess with your life. He doesn't care if it's summertime. So because all these things are true, I think we need to take a look at ourselves today and just do a little bit of a self-check. Because if we aren't careful, we can get caught up in the season and just let some things begin to slide because it's summer. Some good habits maybe we've been working on, maybe those New Year's resolutions you started in January by summertime, they are out the door, right? And, you know, maybe some of our standards that we've set or some good habits that we put into practice or some things maybe that we committed to God when it turns into summertime just begins to slide a little bit. You know, there's something in education, they actually call it the summer slide, where during the school year, the kids are learning and they're practicing things and they're going over them all over and over again, and the kids reach this level of learning in May. And then as June comes and July comes, they come back to school and they're about here. But I think if we're not careful, that same thing can happen to us. You know, we've worked hard and and we've promised some things to God and we've reached this level and summer comes. I'm tired, God. 
And I just, it's so easy. God, I'm just, I'm not going to go to church today. I'm tired. I'm just going to stay home and rest. And before you know it, your relationship with God just starts to slide a little bit. And I kind of picture it like this. So imagine you're in a water park or a hotel and they have a lazy river. I love a lazy river. I don't get to go in them very often, but I love them. If you don't know what this is, it's a pool that's just, you know, basically in a loop shape, and there's a current that just goes around and around. So when you get in, you just get carried along by it. You don't have to think about anything. It just goes in this endless loop, right? Sounds relaxing, right? Here's the thing. Grab your little float, pop it on, jump in the lazy river. You don't have to make any decisions. You don't have to plan any destination that you're headed to. It does the work for you. And someone like me, I hate making decisions. Anybody else out there? Not decision makers, right? This is a great thing. You just hop in and it does the work for you. Now the principle of a lazy river it's great in a pool. It's not a good principle to have for your life. This morning, I want you to realize, even though it's summertime, you should not want a lazy river life. One person agrees with me. Thank you. Especially if we're people who are trying to follow God. You know, we talk a lot about one step here. We're supposed to be going from where we are, one step closer to where God wants us to be, right? And if we're not careful, we get lazy river about it. We're not taking one step. We're just going in circles. Look what it says in Hebrews 2, verse 1. It says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. We may drift away from it. I think we've become a society that hears but doesn't listen. And if you have a spouse or kids that you can say, yeah, they hear, but they're not really listening. Hearing, she's talking about the kids, I'm sure. <laughs> but hearing is just that physical act those sound waves that are hitting our ears. Listening is where you take what's coming in and you begin to process it and understand it and think about it. But in our society today, we are surrounded by sound bites and podcasts and social media and TikTok videos and AI noise all day long. And what happens, I think, is we're being trained to hear and not even comprehend what's going on. And a lot of times, if you're like me, you'll maybe even been doing one or two other tasks while you're listening to something, or, and I'm guilty of this too, have two devices going at once. You know, at the end of the day, sometimes I'll go sit with Clint while he's watching a show, and I realize, this show is not interesting. And so what do I do? pull out my phone, and I just start scrolling. I'm still sitting there, kind of half paying attention to what's going on and scrolling. And he'll say something, comment about something that just happened in the show. And I realize, 
I have no clue what's even going on on that TV. And I look down and I go, I don't even have a clue what I'm looking at here. We just constantly have this noise going that we've stopped listening. And so, if we're not careful, I think the same can be true with our relationship with God. You know, he speaking to us. He's talking to us through the Bible, through preaching, through our quiet times that we have a prayer with him. And if we aren't listening carefully and paying attention to that truth, what's going to happen? What that verse says is you'll start to drift away. So you have to be careful. There's a lot of things going on in this world that are demanding our attention. And if we don't make the effort to stay focused on God, what's, what God is saying, we're going to get off course. You know, when my girls were little, if I had something important to tell them, I would bend down and make sure that their eyes were looking at me. Like, focus here, girls, right here. Look at me, let me know. And then I went a step further than that, and I said, okay, now tell me what I just told you to make sure that they were listening, right? And I think sometimes God needs to do that with us. He needs to get in front of us and just go, just look at me. Take a minute. Just look at me. Look in my face and then say back to me the promises that I've told you. Say back to me the things that I've been teaching you. Because I don't know if you've noticed, this world is a little bit of a wild place right now. There's some things going on. It's not real stable. But if there's truth and there's hope and there's peace available out there for us, isn't that what you want to find? Amen? That's what I want to choose. So what we're going to look at are some reasons that we may decide to jump into this lazy river instead of standing strong in life. I think one reason is because we just need an escape. You know, I asked how many of you need a break, and a lot of hands went up. We just feel like we need to get away. But the way to get a break is an escape. It isn't grabbing your float and just jumping into the lazy river so that you can shut down, not have to make any decisions. And God actually knew we would have times like this in our life. And what he says to us in Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and you're carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, if you're tired, just go jump in a lazy river and float for a while. You'll be fine. He said, come to me. The things that are currently going on in this world and things that happened during COVID, they've left a lot of people exhausted. And maybe you've gone through things that feel like, you made you feel like you're just numb. You just don't even feel anything anymore. Escaping is never a lasting fix for that. The only true way to fix that exhaustion is to go to Jesus. But unfortunately, sometimes we do the opposite. Like I said, sometimes when we're tired and exhausted, we set God and church aside so that we can just relax. It'll get better. But I read a quote this week from A.W. Tozer. And he was a pastor and a writer in the early 1900s, but I think it's still true today. He said, most of us go through life praying a little, planning a little, jockeying for position, hoping but never quite certain of anything, and always secretly afraid that we may miss the way. This is a tragic waste of truth and never gives rest to the heart. Does that sound familiar to anyone? 
that you just work at all things Christianity, just a little here, a little bit there, for a little while, but you still aren't getting confident in your future. You're still secretly afraid deep down inside that maybe I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Maybe, maybe I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Living like that is never going to bring you rest, that rest for your heart. And that quote says it's a waste of the truth. So what is the truth? The truth is God loves you, and while you were a mess, he gave his only son for you to die in your place. The truth is that the only way to have a fulfilling life is to go all in for God. The truth is the Bible says you have been giving rivers of living water inside of you. When you're exhausted and you're numb, you don't have to escape. You just have to turn to God. And he will bring the refreshing that you need and he'll give rest to your weary soul. I think another reason we may live like a lazy river is that we fall into these mental ruts. We fall into mental ruts. And just like that lazy river, we can just get stuck in a loop of life with no real goal, just traveling the same path over and over and over again, thinking the same thoughts every day, and they're thoughts that lead us to discouragement, they're thoughts that lead us to anxiety. Or anyone feel like sometimes you get to the end of the day and you say, all I did today was survive. <laughs> I just existed today. And you feel like you're just going through life, just surviving day after day. Ruts are powerful things. And the thing is, even if we work our way out of them, if we stay close to them, what's going to happen? It's real easy to fall back in, right? You know, we planted a garden at our house this year. We didn't do it last year, and so this year we thought we're going to do it. And so Clint had taken a rototiller, and he was going out where we wanted the garden to be, and he was the areas that were flat and they had gotten hard, he was going through with the tiller. And before he finished, he got called away to go do something else. So I said, not a problem. I'll do it. I've never used a rototiller before. But I thought, you know what, I've been watching him for a while. I'm sure it's going to be fine. I, I kind of, you know, got the idea of what was supposed to happen. And so I went over, thought I could handle it. And I started right where he had ended. And as soon as I walked forward, that tiller went right into the place he had just done. Because that ground there was soft and it was easy for it to dig into. I thought, well, that's not good. All right, try it again. I lifted that thing out of there, started walking forward again, and immediately went right back into the area he had just done. Because ruts are powerful. And that tiller, just like a lot of us, wants to take the easiest road. And when you're not careful, that can happen to you. Look what it says in Romans 12, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. See, the world's already set up ruts for us and set up patterns and set up places that we're supposed to fit into and move in. But it says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 
And so I read this verse, and I like to Google things. So I got on Google. I'm going to geek out for a little minute here, but um, did you know that research has shown that our thoughts create actual pathways inside our brain? And so what happens is you have a thought and it'll connect this neuron to this neuron, this nerve cell to this nerve cell. And the more that you have that thought, the stronger this little pathway grows in between those two things. And so whatever behavior or thought is performed, it grows stronger the more frequently that you have it. And so if you think of your brain like this roadmap, there's these little pathways going all over the place and little grooves and ruts. And what happens is our thoughts start to pick the easiest ones, the ones that we have over and over again each day. But with effort and with practice, you can actually begin to create new pathways inside your head. And so as you do that, think for a minute, what if you were filling your mind with, I don't know, the Bible or God's promises or the thoughts that you were thinking were about him and truth and worship music and the truths that are in that, then the pathways and the roads that you begin to create in your brain that become easy for your thoughts to travel along would be those instead of the lies that you're currently believing about yourself. So I just thought that was exciting because the truth is God loves you. And if we take that truth and begin to put those pathways in, if you look at the end of that verse, it says, then. What happens when you change your way of thinking? You climb out of that lazy river pathway and put some effort into it. So then you're going to know God's will for you. You're not only going to know his will, you're going to understand that what he has for you is what? What does this verse say? It's good. And it's pleasing. And it's perfect. I guarantee you those three things are a lot better than anything you can come up with for your own life. His will is good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. So besides just needing to escape, falling into mental ruts, I think there's another time we can slip into a lazy river kind of life. And this is a sad one. We just stop noticing God. I think a lot of times when things are going okay in our life or even more when things are going really, really well. When it's summertime, we've got some fun stuff going on, not many worries, we begin to lose focus. And when we do that, we can tend to set God aside because we feel like we don't really need him because things are going so good. You've probably heard the phrase, there are no atheists in foxholes, right? Because when we're desperate and we're fearful, and things aren't going right, that's when we turn to God, right? When we're in that foxhole and we're not sure what's going to happen, that's what tends to turn us back to God. But that's not what he wants. You know, I think God wants and he deserves even to be recognized and to be praised every single day. One person, again, agrees with me. Good. You guys, he sent his son Jesus to die for you. He woke you up this morning. Everybody breathe in and out. He gave you a breath in your lungs. He caused the sun to rise this morning. 
He made it so that gravity holds us to this sphere that's spinning around instead of just flinging us off into the universe. All of those things happen how often? Every single day. Every single moment of the day, God is working. But how often do we take the time to notice it? And there's a verse in Hosea 13. This is God talking to the people of Israel. And he said, when I fed them, they were satisfied. But when they were satisfied, they became proud, and then they forgot me. And I think that's some of us. You know, as soon as God begins working in our life and takes care of that thing we've been worrying about, we kind of set him aside because he's, he's done his job, and now I can, I can move on with life. That's not how it's supposed to be. So let's not be the kind of people who forget where our daily blessings come from. So this takes practice every single day. You have to be mindful of him. Look around and notice God. And if you do, I promise you're going to find him. When you look for him, you're going to see the way that he's working in your life. And I bet it's going to be even more ways than you expect to find him. So we need an escape. We can fall into mental ruts. We cannot notice God. Those are all reasons we can get stuck in the river. But when you realize you're living that way, I want to give you some ways that you can stop. And the first thing sounds simple, but truly the first step you have to take is just decide to change. It's always the first step. You have to decide that you're tired of aimlessly floating around. Just climb out of that pool. Just pull off that float. It's not going to instantly fix everything, but let me give you some encouragement. Does anybody like to be encouraged? Okay, check out what it says in Philippians 2.13. I love this verse. It says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So what this tells me, God didn't just create us. We made a mess of it all. So he sent his son Jesus. He told us what to do. And then he left us on our own. This verse doesn't say he worked past tense in us. What does it say? He is working. He's working in you. He's continuing to do it. He hasn't stopped. And it goes on to describe what he's doing. He actually, if we let him, if we decide we want to make a change in our life, this verse says he gives us the desire to do what pleases him. He'll actually put that inside of you. It's not something you just have to constantly work of, oh God, I just want to please you. It says he'll give you that desire. And then he takes it a step further. He doesn't leave you on his own, on your own. He's going to give you the power. He's going to give you the desire to do it and then give you the ability to actually carry out what you're wanting to do. He'll give you the power and the strength to do it. And I think too often with Christianity, we present it as this list of right and wrong, the list of to-dos and the don't-dos, right? And we look at these things and go, I feel like I'm just spending my whole life just following these lists, okay? I'm a Christian. Can I do this thing? Check the list. Ah, can't do that. Okay, I won't do that. What am I supposed to be doing as a Christian? Check this list. Okay, I can do that. I should be living like that. I'll follow that. Faith isn't supposed to be about a bad person becoming a good person. Faith is about 
a dead person becoming alive. That's what holds us to faith. It's not this list of do's and don'ts and I'm bad, but I'm going to get good. I was dead. And because of the power of God and the death of his son Jesus and the resurrection, I'm now alive. That's what holds us to that. And when we think about it that way, we'll start to love God so much that we just want to please him. That it's not just this list of things to follow. You know, my relationship with Clint, if all it was was this list of to-dos and don't-dos, how fulfilling would that be? Not very, right? But because I love him and we've built this life together and we're best friends, I enjoy doing things with him and doing things for him. And that's what a relationship is supposed to be. That's how our walk with God is supposed to be. But maybe this is hard for you because your idea of God isn't necessarily a good one. There's a verse in Psalm 103. It says, The Lord is like a father to his children. He's tender and he's compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we're only dust. Now, the word fear here doesn't mean you're supposed to be afraid of him. It just means a sense of awe. But you look at that compassion that God has. It says it's tender. He's the one who created us. He knows we have the ability to fail. The very first humans he created messed up. He understands that because he's our creator. And I was thinking about it. You know, all the rest of creation in Genesis, it says, God spoke and it was. Let there be light, and there was light. But when he talks about making man, it says he actually bent down and formed him and took the time, and he took that dust and that dirt, and he handmade a human. So he understands, but he also wants to be involved in our lives. He was there. He knows how we were made. He knows how weak we are, He made us into a masterpiece and knows we're not perfect. He's not waiting to strike you down when you mess up. In fact, he sent his son Jesus to walk on this earth as a human. You know why he did that? Part of the reason was because Jesus could now have sympathy and compassion and understand what it's like to live on this earth. So we can look at Jesus and go, he understands. Now, he understands he was able to do it without sinning. He was able to not make any mistakes while here, but he gets us. He understands what it is. He has that compassion. And so I think when we understand that, we begin to want to please him. We want to decide to change. The next thing we need to do to make sure we don't start drifting, we have to connect and then remain. God wants a relationship with you, but he doesn't want it to be on again and off again. On again, off again. He designed us so that when we come to him, we're supposed to connect with him for eternity. And the thing is, what a lot of us do if we're not careful, we plug in for a little while and then we unplug. We'll connect for a little bit and then we go on to something else. And it reminds me of these little connectors they have um, for hoses and for things. And it's called a quick connect because I guess it connects things quickly. I don't know. We have some at our house. And you can put them on hoses. And so we have them in our garden so that it's easy to move things around, right? It's just a little pop. 
and you disconnect it and a little pop and you reconnect it where you want it. That's not how we're supposed to live our lives with God. Just this quick little connect here. I'm here, God. I need something. Feeling a little tired. I'll just plug into you for a little while and then pop. I'm ready to go on to something else. We're supposed to connect and then remain. And so in John 15, four through five talks about this. It says, this is Jesus talking. He said, remain in me and I'll remain in you for the branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce what? Much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing apart from him. How many of you want your life to matter? I do. How many of you want to have some purpose and have a goal? You need to connect with God and then stick with it. That's when you begin to produce fruit because he's the source of true life. So why do we try and find life in other things? If he's the one where everything is at, why don't we connect and remain to him? And then one last thing you need to do, you need to anchor your soul. Anchor your soul. Hebrews 6, 18 through 19 says, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. So just think about that for a minute. The first part of that verse says it's impossible for God to lie. He can't do it. You can take him at his word. No matter who on this earth may have lied to you or let you down, God literally can't. His promises are true. And so when we run to him, like this verse says, then we can be confident. But then this verse talks about an anchor. Anchor for our souls, right? So I was thinking about that this week. Our souls, that's our mind, and our will, and our emotions. It's that inside part of us that needs hope. You know, do you ever have a time when you just feel like, my mind is just out of control. My feelings are out of control. Things just aren't going right. My emotions, I just can't get them settled. Maybe because we get to pick what we anchor ourselves to. And I think a lot of times we take our anchor and we're like, okay, here's my hope. I'm going to put it in a relationship. That's going to get me, right? And I hook myself to this relationship or, well, it didn't work real well. I think my job and my paycheck, I'm going to hook myself into that. As long as I have that, I feel secure. I've got hope. Well, that's not working really well. Um, I just want to be liked by people. I just, you know, I, if people like me, I'll be okay. As long as people are liking me, I can, I can hook myself in that. Or maybe I take my 
anchor and and I put it into sports or hobbies or things that are interesting to me. Some of us take this anchor, and you know where we place it? Smack dab into anxiety. That, that should hold pretty good, right? I'm, I'm my worry. I've got it hooked in here. That, it's, it's holding me pretty good, that anxiety and worry. It, it wakes me up every morning, and sometimes during the night, it's hooked in there. All of those things, all they're going to do is drag you down. None of those things can hold you. And I used to picture me, when I read this verse, I thought, okay, I've got this anchor, I've got this hope. And I pictured it like I was in a boat, right? And I throw that anchor out and and I kind of hope it hits the ground and, and kind of holds me when things go tough. But what I see it now is we've all got this anchor Instead of just tossing it out to the ground and hoping that it it snags something that's going to hold me, I throw it to Jesus. And he holds on to it for me. Guess what? He's not going to let go. And so I'm anchored into Jesus, and my hope is in him. When I get tired and when I get frustrated and I get weary, guess what he can do? He can pull me along. Because when he's moving, well, I'm I'm with him. I'm just going to keep going. That's what our anchor is supposed to be. This is supposed to be the hope for our soul. When you're having those thoughts and your emotions are going crazy, you remind yourself, my hope's in Jesus, and that's going to hold me. We get to pick what we anchor ourselves to. So what are you putting your hope in? That's the question today. He promises to give you rest if you come to him. He promises that he's not going to let go. That's where our hope should be. So all these things I've talked about, they're important for my personal life, and they're important for my walk with God, knowing the hope that I have because God sent Jesus and living with purpose instead of just aimlessly floating around on a lazy river. But you guys, all of this is important for another reason too. We need to remember the lost. Ushers, you can do your thing. See, when we're drifting, we're not just hurting ourselves. We also aren't able to share that love of God with other people. And it's like the message last Sunday. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back and watch. Brother Moses was here from India. And he said, because of what Jesus did for us, all of us are debtors. We all owe a debt. And while we can never repay it fully, what we can do is work on that debt. And a way that we begin to repay it is we begin to share our story with other people. There's people outside those walls, and frankly, probably people inside these walls that need to hear about the goodness of God. And the way they hear about it is through us. The only way they truly hear is through that version of us that's anchored and that's set and that's connected to God. They'll hear about it through people like us when we have true life and we have true hope. When we turn to Jesus and start a relationship with him, we not only receive forgiveness and a new life, we get a new job. And that job is to share what we found with as many people as we can. And I think a lot of us, myself included, 
aren't doing a great job at that. There's people that need to hear our story. There's people out there that are exhausted and they're scared about what's going on in the world. They're hopeless and they're drifting and and maybe even at a place where they're wondering why they were even born. What if we spent this summer first getting ourselves on track, getting our own lives where it's supposed to be, getting ourselves connected and, and anchored where we're supposed to be, but then we went around and we helped as many other people as we could to do the same. Do you know that you are able to lead someone to choose eternal life, to find hope? I promise you, if we went around and did that, this would become the best summer you have ever had. Amen? So I'm going to ask you, Go ahead and stand with me. Maybe while I was talking today, you realized you've never had a true relationship with God. Today is the day you can change that. We never end service without giving you an opportunity to do that, to realize you have value in Him. You have value to Him. He gave His Son, Jesus, for you to die on your behalf each and every one of you in here are worth the life of Jesus. So if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, or maybe today you realize you've been off track, you know, your life's just become this lazy river where you're, you're floating along just hoping nothing too bad happens. Today's the day you can put that float away. Or maybe today you realize you've been anchoring yourself to the wrong things. You've put your hope into things that aren't going to last, that aren't going to hold you. And you want to come back and say, Jesus, I'm taking my anchor out of what it's in and I'm going to put it in you today. Everyone would bow your heads and close your eyes. If any of those three things are you today and you want to join with me in prayer, we're not going to embarrass you. I just ask that you'd raise your hand, just you and God. You're standing before God saying, God, I want to make a change today. I want to come back to you. I want to take off that float. I want to put the anchor in the thing that it should be in. If that's you, just go ahead and raise your hand and I'll pray with you. Thank you. So what you need to do is just pray this prayer. You can pray it quietly to yourself. Just say, God, I'm coming to you today. I'm sorry for not living the way that I'm supposed to. I choose you today. I believe in your son, Jesus, and I want him to be Lord of my life. I believe that he died on a cross and rose from the dead, and I'm choosing to follow him. God, forgive me today for living the wrong way. I put my hope in Jesus. And today I call myself a son or a daughter of God. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name. It's as easy as that, coming back to him or choosing him for the first time. But if that's you, you can grab a connect card out of your seat and drop it in the offering bucket at the end and let us know you made that commitment. But after we dismiss today, if you just feel like you need more prayer for your life, I invite you to come down. We always have a prayer team to my right and your left.
don't leave here today without getting prayer if you need that. We don't have to live this life alone. We've got God, but we've also got each other. Amen? So I'm going to pray and bless you. Then we're going to sing one more song, and then you'll be dismissed. Let's pray. God, I just thank you today. God, I bless everyone here, everyone who's watching. Lord, help all of us to make this the best summer ever. Lord God, because we choose you. We choose to follow you, and we choose to go out and share our story with other people. I thank you for that today. God, I thank you for that verse that promises you'll give us the desire and you'll give us even the power to do what pleases you. So do that today, Lord God, inside each and every one of our hearts. God, let us begin to want to please you. Let us understand how good you are, that it's impossible for you to lie. God, that your promises and your plans for us are good and they're pleasing and they're perfect. And we thank you for that today. I bless everyone who's traveling. I bless everyone as they head out into this week. And I thank you, God, that you would refresh them. God, we come to you with our exhaustion. We trust you, Lord God, to carry us through whatever is going on in our life. You are the answer. You are the provider. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name.